Happy New Year. Did everyone have a good Christmas? Yeah. I want to say hi to all of our different locations right now. You know, we're starting a brand new location today officially because this is indeed the first official full weekend of the new year. Let's do a big round of applause for our Salina Prosper Campus. Also, in many other places, Miami, Dallas, Fort Worth, Keller South Lake, East Texas, and if you're watching online, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I want to talk to you about kind of a subject matter that we've already been dealing with so far. I want to talk to you about coming together. That song by the Beatles, Come Together Right Now Over Me. Come Together Right Now Over Me. That's what Jesus is saying to you and me as we start this brand new year. He wants us to flourish in 2017. He really does. And a lot of us make New Year's resolutions. I'm, I'm, I'm for it, you know. If you've made like a New Year's resolution, would you lift your hand? All right, good, good, excellent. I hate to depress you, but only 8% of us will actually keep the resolutions. It's kind of depressing, a doggy downer, wah, wah, wah. 8%, you gotta be kidding me. Well, that's what research reveals. Resolutions, resolutions. Today, though, I'm gonna talk to you about coming together because when we come together, we will experience not a resolution, but a revolution. There's only one letter that separates a resolution from revolution, and that's the letter V. We can have victory as we understand what it means to be involved in a revolution. What is a revolution anyway? A revolution is a change for the better. A revolution happens, again, when we come together. It's like Jesus is saying, come together right now over me. Are you together? Are you synced up? Are you, are you switched on? Do you have this, this syncopation going on with you and God? I can tell you this, he wants you to. I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you're involved in right now, he wants you to. Is it just me or as I look back in the rearview mirror of my life, sometimes I feel like I've wasted time trying to be someone I'm not. Have you ever done that before? Maybe I've seen a certain group, even back in man, grade school, junior high, high school, whatever, college, I would see a group and I would, I would find myself trying to identify with them or a certain trend, I wanna identify with that. Or maybe we see something on social media or Snapchat, we want to identify with that. And it's, it's interesting how our identity can get all jacked up and all messed up. I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people don't really know who they are. People are like, now what do you mean I don't know who I am? I have an ID, I had a social security number. That's fine, so do I. But even though we carry those around and use IDs, it doesn't necessarily mean that we really know who we are. So today I thought, 2017, as we kick off this first official weekend, we would look at one of the most energetic and energizing emails in history, the book of Ephesians. It was a letter written by a guy that had experienced a complete revolution in his life. The guy that wrote this email, you're talking about, you're talking about everything coming together for him. It's, it's staggering, it's stunning to see what happened in his life. This book, 
the book of Ephesians. We're going through uh, chapter one, verses one through 14. This book tells us in no uncertain terms who we are. Because I'm gonna argue a lot of us don't know who we are. This message though today is for those of us who are followers of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, listen up. Because you're gonna see who we are, whose we are. You're going to see our identity that we should own and understand that will cause a revolution in our lives. But those of us here who are Christians, this message, as we study the book of Ephesians over the next several weeks, I'm telling you, could change our lives now and forever. So let's look at who we are. Who are you? I mean, do you really know who you are? Don't let that group try to tell you who you are. Don't let fashion or, 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 or this group say this or that. Don't let trends dictate who you are. I mean, I'm all about you know, trends and you know, trying to be fashionable. I like different types of music and art, and that's cool. But I'm saying the essence of who you are. Do you really know who you are? Because I don't really think we know who we are. So let's jump into the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. And here is, here is what I'm going to talk about today. I'm talking about our identity but I, I kind of coined this phrase. Our identity is in the Trinity. Say it with me. Our identity is in the Trinity. You might be going, what's the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, one in three. We can never, ever, ever wrap our pea brains around the essence of the Trinity. Who am I? Who am I? As a follower of Christ, I became a Christian as a young guy. Who am I? Well, the Bible tells me who I am. The Apostle Paul this guy had a major revolution. He was the, 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 the hater of all Christians, killing Christians, persecuting the church. He met Jesus. Jesus revolutionized his life. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul did, directly hearing from Jesus, writing these incredible words. Now, if you look at Paul's writings, he begins with facts, with doctrine. Then he concludes usually with the so what principle, the application. So today, we're just gonna look at the facts about who you are in Christ. Let's check it out. Ephesians chapter one, verse one. Paul, that, that's, that, that's what he says in this email. An apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints. What saints? Yeah, to the saints at Ephesus. Do you realize if you're a Christian, you're a saint? So turn to your neighbor and say, what's up, saint? Just say it, just say it. yeah, yeah, because we're saints, we're saints, we're saints, yeah, yeah. If you have a personal relationship with God through Christ, you are a saint. Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was like the bank of Asia. This place, people say, oh man, he's banking. You know, no, yeah, Ephesus, the city was banking. Picture, picture this, this massive temple, a temple in the middle of Ephesus was dedicated to the goddess of Diana. It was a major bank. Also, this temple held some of the most priceless pieces of art in the world. The, the, the money that was flowing and this temple was just ornate and over the top. So here's what Paul is saying. He's going, hey, you think you think that temple is something? You think, you think that temple has got some serious money? You think those people there are banking? 
You ain't seen nothing yet until you realize who you are in Jesus. You do, he's, well, here's what he's saying. You're rich. Ephesians chapter one, verses one through 14, Paul is saying in Christ, you're rich. Isn't it interesting how we use that word picture, that, that symbol of the, of the temple to the goddess Diana, where idolatrous worship was taking place, where these tours were taking place, where people could see all of the riches. He was using that as a springboard to say, you think that's all that? Are you kidding me? Look who you are in Christ. And he's gonna tell us our identity. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Our identity is in the Trinity. Our identity is in the? I like Trin-I-D, Trin-I-D. Look at God the Father. Skip down to verse four, God the Father. God the Father, the first person of the Godhead. God the Father. He has chosen us, the Bible says. Ephesians chapter one, verse four. For he, God the Father, chose us in him before the creation of the world. Squillions and squillions of years ago, our great God chose you and he chose me. That is, that's unbelievable. God chose you and chose me. I love to watch like the NFL draft. The first pick in the NFL draft. And they'll give out the player's name and everybody, yeah. You know, he'll walk up, you know, the cool suit, put the flat bill on, you know, the team and whoa, you know. I've got good news for you. And I've got good news for myself. The first pick in God's draft, you, me. Before, think about this. You're not an accident. I'm not an accident, an afterthought, an add-on. Before the very foundation of the world, God the Father chose you and me. Is that powerful? And then, okay, we're talking about the Trinity. Just stay with me. We're, the big idea is God the Father. You have to put your thinking cap on today. But let's talk about the Trinity right quick. God the Father, as, as far as God the Father is concerned, he saved you before the foundation of the world. As far as God the Son is concerned, he saved you when he died on the cross for your sins and rose again. As far as God the Holy Spirit is concerned, he saved you when you open the lid of your life up and ask Jesus and receive the gospel. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? That's some, that's some theology. It's just the facts. We have, to, we, have to, we have to understand that. And if you read Greek, if you know how to speak Koine Greek, really verse four through verse 14 is one sentence. Now don't try this now, I don't want anyone to faint, but a good practice would be to read those verses in one breath. I think yoga is a great, a great exercise, a great thing to do, and breathing and everything. And, and, and man, if you're, if you're good at yoga or you want to improve your breathing, try this with Ephesians. You know, just, just, just one of your poses or whatever. I don't know what, you know, just, 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 yeah. I don't know why I said that, but it is true though. I, I didn't make that up, that the apostle Paul, he wrote this like sentence 
and it's one breath, truth after truth after truth after truth. So God the Father, he's chosen us. Here's something else, he adopted us. We're gonna fly through this. Verse five, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will. I know what you're thinking. Okay, God, okay, he's predestined us, you know, and, and yeah, he's chosen us already, so I guess, the good guys, the white hats, they go to heaven. The bad guys, God's predestined them to hell. Wrong, wrong. God is sovereign. The scripture says that. He, he is, is about election. Also, we have a freedom of choice. We have a responsibility. Do I believe in election or predestination? Yes. Do I believe in responsibility and a freedom of choice? Yes. Do I understand it? No. Does God understand it? Yes. Those are two rivers that only collide in the mind of God. All I know is this. I keep on nominating them and God keeps on electing them. That's, that's what I know. So this, that's, that, that, that's important. And, and you, you don't wanna lean too far like, okay, election, 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 let's just sit around and and, and, and stay in our stained glass fortresses called the church and flip off the people. And, and you know, those who are Christians will be Christians. Those are not, are not, no, no, we're not to do that. But then again, we're not to be so shaky that we think you, you know, oh, okay, I'm saved, I'm not saved, I'm saved, I'm not saved. You, you have that, that holy tension going on between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Hopefully that made sense. He predestined us for adoption to sons through Christ Jesus. Then look at this, he accepted us. This is God the Father now. I'm not even talking about the Son yet or the Holy Spirit. He accepted us, he accepted us. Ephesians 1:6. to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Jesus makes us acceptable. Many of you have accepted Christ, oh, I accepted Christ but we have to realize God has accepted us. Why? Because we've accepted Christ. We're acceptable because of Jesus. Yet God the Father has accepted us, those of us who have come to know his son, Jesus Christ. We're accepted. So man, those, those things to just light us up. I've been chosen, I've been adopted, I've been accepted. Man, whoa, wow. Yesterday I got up real early and watched the sunrise. I watched the sun rise. I mean, it didn't rise, but to me it rose. But in reality, it didn't. I felt like it rose. And then I was flying in a plane to, to arrive here in Dallas, and I'm, and I'm flying and I look out the window because, you know, I do that when I fly. I have a good you know, seat by the window and I'm looking out and the earth looked flat. I, I, it just did. I, I, the horizon, it, did, it didn't look round or like a sphere, it looked flat. And I really felt like the earth, <laughs> was flat, I felt like the sun rose and I felt like the earth was flat, but I felt that way, but those aren't facts. I mean, factually, I know the sun doesn't rise. I, I know that literally. And, and factually, I know the earth is not flat. And we look at these things, we're like, wow, I, I don't always feel these things. I don't always feel chosen and adopted and and, and I, I don't always feel accepted. I mean, I don't always feel that way. Well, it's facts. Paul's saying here are the facts. And, and, and let, me, let me talk about adoption right quick. You know, I flew through that adoption. 
uh, Ephesians uh, 1.5. I mentioned this a second ago. Adoption is huge. We're adopted into the family of God when we become believers. We're adopted. We're adopted. But notice this. We, first of all, are regenerated, then we're adopted. Why is that important? Because if we were just adopted, we would be like little playpen whining, Gerber dining babies. We couldn't tap into God's inheritance. We'd have to wait. Because we are adopted, and prior to adoption, because we're regenerated, we have standing, we have a standing before God as sons and daughters. So a nanosecond after I become a Christian, go ahead and start clapping, I can tap in to God's inheritance because I have the inheritance because of my faith and I can invest and spend the inheritance because of my works. Did you understand me? I'm rich, I'm rich. And, and while I'm rich because of my faith in Jesus and I can spend that and he wants me to spend that by my works, that's why it matters how we live. We have this inheritance. It's amazing. That's just God the Father. Let's go to God the Son right quick. God the Son, God the Son, God the Father, God the Son. The trend ID. Did you know today? I mean, were you talking to your spouse about that on the way to fellowship? Wow, I didn't realize I was chosen and adopted and accepted. This is amazing. You probably were. I doubt it. God the Son. What has Jesus done? Wow, okay. He has redeemed us. What does redemption mean? Uh, Ephesians 1 7. In him, we have what? Redemption. What does redemption mean? Write this down. Purchased and set free by paying a price. Paul is writing this email from prison. But notice his identity is in Christ. He's not saying, well, I'm in prison. And you're stuck in Folsom prison. No, that's Johnny Cash. <laughs> he wasn't saying that. He was saying, I'm in Christ. That was his identity. 60 million slaves were in effect throughout the Roman Empire while he wrote this email. 60 million. They were sold, bought, whatever like pieces of furniture. Back during this time, you could buy a slave and set the slave free. That's the picture here. We were, if you're a believer, all slaves to sin. Jesus, by spilling his blood on the cross, because the shedding of blood is all about forgiveness and cleansing, he has done what? I'm free! I am free, you are free! So why are you acting like you're still a slave to sin? You're not. I'm not. We're free. We're free indeed. So he has redeemed us. Okay, he's forgiven us. See that? Look at verses 7 and 8. The forgiveness of sins. You know what the word forgive means? You were probably discussing this too on your way to church. Man, I wonder what the Greek word for forgiveness is. I really want to know. I really want to know. It means carried away. Just carried away. Well, where does that come from? I mean, what's the history of that? Where, 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 where did you get that, Ed? Think about the Day of Atonement. Back in the Old Testament, for example, you had a Day of Atonement. And the high priest, one day, Day of Atonement, would, would take a goat. This is gross, but, 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 but sin is bad. Slit the goat's throat, 
spilled the goat's blood on the altar, atoning for the sins of the Israelites. That's what would happen. And throughout the Bible, we see the shedding of blood, the shedding of an innocent third party's blood must take place for the atonement, for the forgiveness to occur. So that's what would happen to one goat. Slit his throat, blood spilled on the altar, day of atonement. There was another goat called the scapegoat. Is this beautiful? And the priest would take this scapegoat, lay hands on the scapegoat, symbolizing the transferal of all the sins of the people to this goat, and then they would set the goat out into the wilderness and the goat would get lost. Symbolizing our sins are forgiven, blood has been spilled, they've been carried away. I need, you need forgiveness. And we don't realize sometimes that sin is committing cosmic treason. We say, you know, I'm not that bad. Man, compared to my neighbor, what a jerk. I'm not that bad. Compared to my crazy uncle who visited over the Christmas holidays, I'm not that bad. Yeah, yeah. One, one sin, sin of omission or commission, is committing cosmic treason before God. The good news is, think about your ID in the Trinity. Jesus has forgiven you. But don't make this mistake. I'm talking to Christians again. Sometimes Christians say, yeah, when I became a Christian, my sins were forgiven. Well, that's true. But notice that forgiveness keeps on happening. That's why as we spend our inheritance and we don't spend it perfectly, when we screw up, when we fumble, when we waste God's currency, quickly, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. That's huge. He's also, not only has he forgiven me and you, he has revealed God's will to us. I know this is like drinking out of a fire hydrant. I know it is. It, 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 it was for me as I studied it, but we have to understand this. This is God's plan. Look at Ephesians 8 and, and, and uh, I'll, let me look at verse 8 and 9. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known, made known, he is making known to you and me, what? The mystery of his will. If you're outside the family of God, you're never, ever, 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 ever gonna really know why you are here. Let me say that again. I'm not saying you can't have a decent life or a good life. I'm not saying you can't be a good guy or a good girl. I'm not saying that, nor is the Bible saying that. If you want to really know why you're here, and if you really want to know where you're going and what the future is about and what heaven is about and what your abilities and gifts are about, it starts with Jesus. Now, God has a plan for your life. He's a plan for man. And one of the plans is for us to simply know who we are. So it's not like Paul is saying, oh yeah, pray for something 
out here or pray for something out there. He's saying, no, no, no. Just stop and examine the facts. Just look at your ID. Wow. I'm chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven. God, your, your plan has been revealed to me. Whoa. There's something else. I'm talking about God the Son. It's just God the Son. He's made us an inheritance. I didn't misspeak. Let me say it again. He has made us an inheritance. Ephesians 1, 11. Also, we've obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Okay, listen very carefully. We have an inheritance in Christ. We're rich. We understand that. Have you ever met someone who's a trust funder? Do you know what a trust funder is? It's some kid born in a family, his little baby, a little kid, junior high, high school, he's clueless that he's mega wealthy. And then one day, I don't know how it's written, you know, they're 18 or 25. A friend of mine, when he was 25, he got $50 million. I mean, he was living, you know, a comfortable life, but boom, I'm like, million dollars? But see, again, we need to understand, in Christ, remember, we can start spending the moment we're saved. We don't have to wait 25 years. Okay, we got that, all right? So I have an inheritance in Christ. My inheritance is in Christ. Also, we are an inheritance. So it's a dualistic thing. I have an inheritance in Christ, and I am, as a believer, Christ's inheritance. Okay? So we draw on Him. We have this inheritance, we draw on it. We spend it. We have the inheritance through faith, we spend it through works. Okay? But notice this. He draws, Jesus does, on you and me. We are his inheritance. So you can't say, I can't believe I'm going to this school right now. I wish I, I should be going to an Ivy League school or I should have gone to that school in California. God is using you. Jesus is using you. He's drawing on you, he's given you, because he's in your life, abilities and gifts and aptitudes to, to, to reveal him to others in your circle of influence. That idiot at work, you know? You're like, why am I here? Or that, or that, or that situation, you find yourself and, 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 and you're where you are for a reason. And God is using us, Christ is working through you and me no matter what we're doing. So, so that, that, gives me, that gives me Godfidence. So no matter what I'm about, no matter what, what life throws at me, because we live in a crazy world, I mean, that's, that's easy to see, God, through, through Jesus Christ, the power of his Holy Spirit, is using my abilities they're not mine, they're given to me by Jesus to be Jesus in all of those situations and circumstances. I, 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 to me, that's just like, 
Because sometimes I get down and like, man, why is this happening? Or how about that situation? Or God is in control and he has you and me where we are for a reason. And, and we can draw on him and he is drawing on us. How are you spending his money? <laughs> I mean, I just want to ask you, how are you investing your life? Woo, man. Wow. Okay. Now the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We're almost done. I have a minute and 45 seconds to go, but I can do it. Because we got next week, and we're going we're gonna to go through the book of Ephesians because it'll change your life. Real quick. The Holy Spirit. And I'll come back to the Holy Spirit next week, too. He has sealed us. What do you mean he sealed us? Well, the moment you became a Christian, Ephesians 1.13 says, when you believed, you were marked with him with a seal. What's a seal? Wax, a ring, boom. Every time I see the word sealed, I think, this is old school, I'm sorry, forgive me. Peter Frampton, one of the great guitarists ever. If you've ever heard of Peter Frampton, lift your hand. If not, Google him. You remember that song, here I am, baby. Signed, sealed, delivered. Oh yeah, he didn't write it, but, but I mean. You remember he had that thing in his mouth? And he was one of the first ones that did like. I like all kinds of music. My man, Peter Frampton. So we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. I become a Christian. I receive the gospel. Jesus comes inside of my life. The Holy Spirit is in your life and mine. And the Holy Spirit works from the inside out to make us produce this supernatural fruit. The Holy Spirit is like a wedding ring. You know my wedding ring? People ask me about this. Hey, is that ivory? No, it's rubber. I love it. A friend of mine got these rings for Lisa and I. And this thing is so great because I'm kind of an active person, hyperactive too, and, it, and it's cool. Well, when I gave Lisa her engagement ring, that was like, all right, I'm going to make good on my promise, and we got married. Well, that's what happens when I receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in, boom. It's the seal, the wedding ring. Also, too, he's my earnest money. He's my down payment. Are you kidding me? And it's amazing to see all the financial terms in the book of Ephesians, and we'll talk about that later. Ephesians 1, verse 14. The Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So we've been redeemed, we're being redeemed, and we shall be redeemed. The Holy Spirit is that earnest money, that down payment. You know, Lisa and I have had the opportunity over the years to sell real estate in, in different houses that we've had over the years of our 35 years of marriage and some investments and things. And you're like, whoa, oh boy, a down payment, earnest money. You know what I'm saying to you? Hallelujah. I mean, that's good stuff. That means someone's going to make good on the whole package, right? Right. Well, I got to close the Bible now. We have, we have talked so much about our ID in Jesus. The trend ID. Here's your homework. Read Ephesians 1 for the next seven days. Read it. And read it in different translations. They're online, version, etc. 
read it and paraphrased different, um, different looks at it, read it, think about it, and go, whoa. I mean, this, this, is, this, is, a, this is a life-changing, a revolutionary piece that will, that will just help you to come together and know who you are because life is too short for us not to know who we are. And it's more than like, I'm a Christian. I mean, yeah, we're Christians, but what does that mean? And we've seen it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. The sovereignty of God, the responsibility of man. I matter to God. True riches come from God. And these riches are for the glory of God. Here's how we're going to wrap it up. We're going to do a declaration. We're going to do a declaration. So everyone stand, and we're going to read this. And this was written by a gentleman, strangely enough, I had breakfast with about 25 years ago, which is about the time we began Fellowship Church. He's passed away now. He was a brilliant, brilliant theologian, Dr. Ray Stedman. And he wrote this as a declaration around these verses. Let's read it together, one, two, three. I am accepted in God's family. He has marked me out as his own. He has put his spirit within me, releasing to me the full life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every power that Jesus himself had to perform in his life upon earth, I have in him. Therefore, I'm equipped to handle whatever comes today I can take whatever life throws at me because I have him and all the fullness of his life. That, that is a revolution. That is what it means to come together. Would you pray with me? Father, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I know there, there are many, many people here in this facility and also in our other environments and you've never, ever, ever come to a point in your life where you've asked Christ to take control of your life, you can say this right now. Just say with me, this is your prayer, not mine, because I prayed this years ago. Jesus, I ask you to take control of my life. That's what you say. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Just, I, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've committed wrongdoings. I turn from my wrongdoings and turn to you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And right now, during this time, I ask you to come into my life. Others here, like me, maybe you've been a believer for decades and you're saying, whoa, I, I've been getting my, my ID, my identity from other people. I mean, I've, I've been a victim of identity theft. It's time to realize who we are. Do the homework, make those declarations. I'll put it on my social media and on our website because our lives will never be the same. And I wanna challenge you to be back next time as we continue this series on Ephesians. It's time for the church and for those of us who are believers to shine.